it's Dr. Kieran here. Welcome to Bridging Medical Paradigms. In the vast and varied landscape of medicine, from the traditional to the modern, the complementary to the conventional, all paired with shifts in societal, technological and political trends, it is a tricky and tiring affair to keep on top of. My aim is to leave you feeling empowered in your engagement with healthcare, to mitigate unnecessary experiences and aim for more positive outcomes. Let's get started. Last week, we spoke about the dietary and hydration habits we can implement to help keep our hyaluronic acid and therefore our fascia in a good state so it can do its job. What we spoke about in episode 14, and it's a major job. To follow on, today we are going to look at the impact of our movement habits on our fascia. First up is inactivity. This is not to be confused with resting for recovery. That's another topic. So inactivity. When we are inactive for a period of time, our fascia becomes sticky rather than lubricating and we get decreased facial gliding and densification begins to occur. Movement stimulates the production and turnover of hyaluronic acid as well as propagating the exchange of all the goodies carried in our blood and fluids, such as oxygen and nutrients, as well as waste products. We spoke about this in episode 5. The longer we are inactive, the more rigid the fascia becomes. Over time, inactivity can lead to densification, to become chronic, overly rigid and congeal into place, forming adhesions, that limit mobility, so it's a vicious cycle. The fascia can reshape itself. Inactivity can be subject to the whole body or localised. Essentially, holding parts of your body still can be a significant source of strain. If you've ever had a broken bone and been in a cast, this is why you'll have experienced stiffness and difficulty in moving properly when the cost was removed and will have needed rehabilitation exercises for a full recovery. Or another example, if you spend most days hunched over your laptop or phone, the fascia surrounding your neck and shoulder muscles may change so that your posture becomes curved. Let's say there's a tipping point. If it's caught early enough, and we start correcting our postural habits, it can gradually go back to normal. The longer we leave it, the harder it becomes. Then eventually we're contending with chronic densification and fibrosis. Remember that comical image representing the stages of human evolution in episode 10 of the progressively hunched over human being who turns around and says, turn around, we messed it up. This goes back to the importance of correcting our posture. I was in a coffee shop the other day and around 90% of the people around me had their heads crooked forward looking on their phones. When you extend your head forward out of alignment, you can actually increase the load on your spine and everything along with it your fascia and your muscles up to five times. The further you bring it forward, the heavier the load. As I said last week, densification and fibrosis of the fascia can develop as we age. Because our fascia supports and stabilises our muscles and joints and is rich in nerve endings, 
This in turn leads to a reduction in our muscle force transmission and joint range of motion, leading to stiffness and pain, as well as inflammation, because there's that biochemical reaction going on too. The pain may sometimes be referred to as myofascial pain. So it's been seen in plantar fasciitis, for example, which is one of the most common issues experienced by runners. The pain can occur on application of pressure, during movement, as well as being experienced as referred pain, so in other seemingly unrelated parts of the body. But this still remains poorly characterised. It is often underdiagnosed and hence undertreated. There is also a high reoccurrence rate unless appropriate exercises are prescribed, with active participation from the patient to restore that flexibility and balance. Early diagnosis and management may also help reduce complications further down the line and the financial burden of chronic pain syndrome. What's interesting is, Helen Langevin discovered back in 2010 that people suffering lower back pain have 25% thicker deep fascia in their lower back with 52% less sliding available there. 13 years later, a 2023 study wanted to confirm this, stating that a thicker fascia in that region plays an important role in lower back pain and that it can be diagnosed through ultrasound. So that's a promising way forward for diagnosis and treatment. Going back to aging and fibrosis, we can see how in the same vein, these changes can be viewed as a natural consequence of an inactive lifestyle too. Studies show that understandably, one can perpetuate the other. So that's why keeping active is so important. My grandfather's quote comes to mind, rest is rust. And again, how physiological aging is a highly individualized process. It's dependent on how we manage ourselves. Just to add another layer, because last week we were talking about the importance of connecting information as we learn it, to add a deeper level of understanding to our bodies, and to see how it relates to us as a whole entity, rather than seeing them as separate bits. Because the changes in the fascia due to ageing and inactivity alter the mechanical and biochemical properties of our other systems, like our skeletal, muscular, nervous and even our immune systems, it's all interrelated. We can see how, for example, age-related decreases in muscle strength and range of motion can't be explained by a decrease in muscle mass alone, what we spoke about in episode 7. It also involves the state of our fascia. It's like a trifle. There's more going on beneath. There's cream, custard, jelly, flaked almonds. You need all the layers and the ingredients to make it work and for it to be enjoyable. What's a trifle without the jelly? So again, let that be another motivation to keep active. Because it's not only for keeping our muscles strong or joints mobile, it's also for keeping our fascia, well our whole bodies in ship shape to mitigate the problems in the here and now as well as further down the line. 
Inactivity breeds stiffness and pain. Stiffness and pain breeds inactivity. It's a vicious cycle. It doesn't matter whether you're in your teens, 20s, 40s or 80s, keeping active is key. Similarly to inactivity, repetitive movements or overuse like constantly typing on a keyboard for hours each day or repetitive movements in sports such as swinging a golf club without sufficient rest as well as neglecting other ranges of motion or movement, not warming up properly can eventually result in negative modifications to the hyaluronic acid, leading to densification of fascia, stiffness and pain. So that's something to bear in mind. As an extra, recent research suggests that fascia is also affected by hormonal changes, for example. A reduction in estrogen levels increases facial density, and we know by now how the story goes, resulting in increased stiffness and an increase of the experience of pain. That's why certain phases in the menstrual cycle, menopause and in pregnancy, can lead to phases of stiffness and pain. This is another topic that I'll explore in a different episode. What can we do to improve the situation? In addition to a nutrient-dense diet and being well hydrated, what we spoke about last week, staying active is the most effective way to keep your fascia sturdy and elastic. If you haven't been active for a while, it's important to listen to your body and be gentle Go slowly and try to re-establish the movement that has been lost. Essentially, you want to have a consistent but varied exercise routine. We've spoken about this in the earlier episodes, but I'm adding some extras here in relation to the fascia. Resistance or weight training, what we spoke about in episodes 7 to 10, for musculoskeletal strength, also keeps your fascia in ship shape. It's interrelated. A weak musculoskeletal system is not going to be great at keeping the facial layers mobile. Similarly, neither will stiff fascia be able to support and stabilise the musculoskeletal system to allow a full range of movement. Equally, aerobic exercise is also important. We spoke about that in episode 5. Exercises that involve a range of movements like dancing, playing ball games and swimming, are great for keeping the fascia lubricated, as well as those that involve bouncing and those in pilometric type movements, such as jumping jacks, skipping, hopping or squat jumps. As well as your exercise routine, it's important to get activity in throughout your day. If you're sat at your desk, Remember to take at least a two-minute break every hour to stand up and move around. Consider how you can implement some movement or change of stance during your working day. Maybe you could get a standing desk and make sure to have a walkabout at lunch, stretch your legs and get some fresh air. As mentioned numerous times, remember to practice good posture throughout your day, whatever you're doing. With regard to stretching, vary your stretching regime to incorporate both static and dynamic stretching. There are benefits to both types. Dynamic stretching incorporates movement while stretching to different degrees and speeds. 
This can enhance the mobility and elasticity of your facial layers. This is great to do as a warm-up before you launch into any aerobic or resistance training, or it can be done alone. I mean yoga is a form of dynamic stretching, and through incorporating the use of breathwork can help tap into our parasympathetic nervous system to put us, including our fascia, remember it's intimately connected to our nervous system, into a more relaxed state. On that note, keeping active also taps into our nervous system. If you haven't already experienced it, take a moment when you're feeling stressed or a bit down. Rather than sitting and struggling in the tension, go do some movement. How do you feel? Static stretching, so holding a position for 60 to 90 seconds, has been shown to decrease inflammation and pain in inflamed tissues. This is more preferable when your body is warmed up, particularly after you've exercised. If you really want to get serious, you can also incorporate muscle contractions into your stretches. Contract Relax is a PNF, so proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation technique. It needs practice. Go have a look on YouTube and find an expert in the field, like a physio, to see how it's done. You'll also benefit by stretching in ways that incorporate a variety of motion So, and it's multi-planar. So if you're doing your dynamic forward lunges, also do side lunges. Larger movements also target and challenge numerous facial chains. Remember fascia is found all over our bodies, it's our spandex. We want to keep it all moving smoothly without, without adhesion. A lot of yoga poses work on this, so it may be something you want to start fitting into your exercise regime. And it doesn't have to take long or even cost you. You could do a 10 to 15 minute session. There are plenty of follow along videos on YouTube. Just to note, there may be circumstances such as in rehabilitation from injury where isolation movements and stretches are more appropriate but this should come from your practitioner. Also, in cases of hypermobility, a different stretching and exercise regime may be advised. Turning to tools and treatments. Studies suggest that despite the popularity of tools and treatments that involve applying pressure to the fascia, such as foam rollers, percussion guns and massage, it's still unclear whether they have the same effects as stretching or whether it's just temporary, for example by changing some of the fluid dynamics in that local area, or in helping with general relaxation. If these tools and therapies work for you and make you feel and move better, there's no harm done. I personally continue to jump on the roller every morning and night. I even roll a golf ball under the soles of my feet. And as I have a background in Chinese medicine, I treat myself to tweener, Chinese medical massage. It makes me feel the flow better. In either case, remember to not overdo it and listen to your body. No aggressive manipulation. Just see it as a support. It's not a replacement for activity and stretching. Also remember that you can often get referred pain and stiffness. So the real issue may be elsewhere in your body 
or on the opposite side, for example, where you're experiencing the pain and stiffness. If in doubt, especially if you have persistent pain, a niggle that won't go away, even if it comes and goes, it will probably be affecting your form, posture and movement. Please do get it checked out so you can receive the appropriate treatment and get it sorted ASAP. That's a wrap. Hope you found today useful. You can see that there is more to bodily stiffness and pain. And through activity and stretching, we can make a difference. And as a bonus, improve our flexibility. And it will give us a spring in our step. Showing our inner sloth the front door. FYI, sloths are those sluggish tree dwellers who have an exceptionally low metabolic rate and can sleep for up to 15 to 20 hours per day. So here's permission to dance like no one's watching. See you next week. Bye.